Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius. We are in the book of 2 Corinthians. I will start from chapter 5 and read the last few verses of chapter 5 and pray for those who want to give their life to Christ. Here it is in chapter 5. He said in verse 17 that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away and all things become new. And it said right here in verse 19 that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them. And has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So God was asking you to come back to him. He has already forgiven you. Just come back to him and accept the forgiveness. And you can come and inherit your inheritance. We are ambassadors for Christ telling you this, that God besieging you by, by God is besieging you. God is pleading with you by us that come back to Christ. Because God has made Christ to take all our sins away so that we can live back and come back to him and in righteousness we become the righteousness of God. And you can be born again if you believe. Like I said that in the last chapter, I said, think of a man that is a son of a king and he has done something wrong and he ran away. You know that if the king found out like Moses, when he killed somebody, he killed an Egyptian, he knew that he was living in the palace of Pharaoh. Of Pharaoh. When he killed an Egyptian, he the Pharaoh had about it, the Pharaoh is going to arrest him, so he ran away. But now, after many years, the father of that, the king of that person and has forgiven him, is now saying, come back to him. That's what God has done. He's no more imputing the trespasses of men unto them. He's calling you right now to come back and be reconciled to God. Be ye reconciled to God. And how do you get reconciled? You give your life to Lord Jesus Christ. And like the book, the book of Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, this is how we do it. Say, if you shall believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. Look at this in Romans chapter 10. I'm going to pray for you right now. If you want to receive your, give your life to Christ, you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is how you do it. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, say, If thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you confess that Jesus is your Lord, you have to confess with your mouth, say it out, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. That is, because in the days of the apostles, they were, the Jews were trying to say, no, he didn't know this already. That's why they are emphasizing that. He resurrected. You have to believe that he resurrected because he, he, in his resurrection, we are justified and saved. If you believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead and you confess it to your mother that Jesus is your Lord and you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you shall be saved. So you say right now after me, if you want to be saved, you want to give your life to Christ, as he has said, you become a new creature. When you believe, he's looking, he's waiting, he's listening. And it's going to touch your heart. Is you experience it when it touches your heart, it remove the old spirit out of you, give you a new heart. 
and you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. We experience peace of mind. We experience joy bubbling from our heart when that took place like a miracle. And he wants to do it for you if you believe what we just said and you want to confess it and say it after me. Say, my Lord Jesus Christ, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I confess that you are the Lord of all. I believe you died for me on the cross and you shed your blood to wash my sins away. I believe you rose again from the dead and you are at the right hand of God the Father now and you are coming back soon. I believe it, Lord, and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, Jesus. Take me as your own. From today, I surrender to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a new creature right now in Christ Jesus. Give me that new battle experience. So that I'm new because you have already removed my sins. You have already, you have already said your word that you are not imputing to me any of my sins. Because Christ took them away on the cross. I'm yours right now, Jesus. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Say thank you for saving me. Say thank you for saving me. Amen. Father, thank you Lord, for saving all those that, I, that pray this prayer sincerely. And they are new Christian in Christ Jesus. Now, welcome to the family of God. From now on, just take your Bible and follow the teaching that we are teaching you. And you confess it that you are saved. Don't let the devil whisper to you that you are not saved. You are not shit. You are saved. Confess it and start living according to the word of God. And you see that you are able to do it. Don't think you can't do it. You are able to do it because once you confess Christ, is depositing a spirit in you that will make you be able to do it. You will be able to obey the word of God because the old nature will be taken out and the new desire is given to you now that you confess him. And begin to read your Bible, you'll be a new creature, you'll be different from today. God bless you. Now we are going to chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians. Apostle Paul's letter, he said, We then as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. That is this grace, that we, this free gift you just received, you that pray with us, and you that are believers already, it's a grace. Not that you deserve anything, not that you did something to make God give you this new heart. It is God giving it freely because that's what he has purpose and he's given to the whole world, anyone that will come to him. In the world, the whole world is invited, it's all are called. So you are invited and those that are pastors recall are the believers, the Christians. So it's a grace, free gift. So don't receive it in vain. Verse 2 says, for he said, I have had thee in a, two, in a time accepted. I have had thee in a time accepted and in the day of salvation advised to call thee. When the day of salvation, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. When you had the gospel and you give your life, that's the accepted time. That's the day of salvation. It's any time. So today that you have prayed along with us, that we just prayed just now, you give your life to Christ. That's how it does it. That's how it is done. And you are accepted. Verse 3. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumors, in labors, in washings, in fastings. Apostle Paul just listen to all those things that he went through. That that's how he approved himself as a minister of God. He said, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love of faith. That's verse 7. Verse 6, verse 7. By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. I mean, people talk about them. Say, that's how we know that we are ministers of the gospel. Because many people that speak for God even in the Old Testament, those prophets were ridiculed and beaten and persecuted. And Jesus Christ said, when they revile you for my name's sake, say that you should rejoice because you are now in the class of prophets. 
because that's how the persecuted the prophets that were before you. So that's what Apostle Paul is saying that we also we are proving ourselves to be ministers of the gospel when we suffer persecution for the thing we are preaching. When we are persecuted, when we are ridiculed, he said we are proving ourselves to be ministers of the gospel. And in verse 9, it says, as unknown, verse 6, it says, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers, they tell, they tell themselves that these people are deceivers. Say, yet we are true. As unknown and yet well known. Say, they thought nobody knew them. Many times people wonder that we are not known. They are not evangelists that we know on, on record. Or this, of this great denomination, they don't know them. Say that. Yes, we are known in the spirit world. That's what we well know. We are known in the spirit world. Uh, uh, some demons, were, some people went to cast out a devil in the book of Acts of the Apostles. And they tried to use the name of Apostle Paul and say, We cast you, command you devils to come out of this man by Jesus, whom Apostle Paul preached. And that devil looked at him and said, Who are you guys? I know Jesus and I know Paul. Which means the evil spirits know Paul. Say, Who are you guys? They don't know what to say. And the devil in the man, Jump on these seven men, sons of skipper, and tore their clothes and beat them up, and they ran away of that house. They ran out of that house in uh, in, 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 uh, in naked, beaten, and that's why that's how you know that Apostle Paul was known in the spirit world. And we that are preached to you, we are known in the spirit world also. We that are preached to you, we are known in the spiritual world. I remember many years ago in, in the Arizona State University, I was a t I was teaching assistant, but I was still witnessing to some people. And I gave somebody a tract, and one of my students was expected to be in my class, and I invited him to, to finally go to pray for him. He was having a problem. He couldn't concentrate in his studies. He came late for class. That was two-hour class. He came one hour late. And I confronted him, what's wrong with you? Two-hour class, and you are one hour late. And he told me that he was having issues, family issues. Family issues? Are you married? No, he was just a fresh student in the college. And I said, well, if I cannot do anything, I can pray for you. Better, if you like, you can come and confide in me. Are you married? He said, you are not married. What kind of family problem is that? Well, if you want to confide in me, I cannot do anything, but I can pray for you. So he looked at me and said, I'll come and talk to you. See young man. And then he came after the class. He talked to me. He told me that he was being troubled by some demons. That's why he confessed. He had to get, to, to get involved with those demons. He was reading some, some magic books. That make those demons that they were now roaming over him and he was seeing them. He couldn't concern, he was like losing his mind. That was what his own expression. And I was telling him, Okay, I'm going to pray for you. I said, he said, Don't worry. I said, I told him because me, I said, those demons that you are seeing, they know whom I am. He said, He could sense that. He told me, he said, I could sense that. They stand at a distance now. Look like they knew you. He said, They know who I am. They know that I'm a believer in Christ. That's why they stood, stood at a distance. And I prayed for this young man, I took him to church and he was delivered. So that was what Apostle Paul was saying that we may be like unknown. Say, who know you, this man that is talking like this? Nobody knew me, but he said, we are known in the spirit. Because Christ said, Christ knows they that are his son. The Lord Jesus Christ knows they that are his son. And the devil also knows those that are not his son. So that's why the devil, that the demons, they know who, who, who is talking. They know who they, who, they, who, who, is, who is preaching. So they, are, they stand at a distance. So that's what Apostle Paul said. See, we are as unknown, but yet well known. That's why I brought that story of the of the sons of Sceva that that thought they can cast the devil out through through the name of Apostle Paul. And the devil said, "I know Paul, and I know Peter, and I know Jesus, but I don't know you guys." 
and he drove them out and beat them up. That's verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. And it says, We are as unknown and yet well known. As dying and behold, we live. As chastened and not killed. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As poor yet making many rich. As what well, we making many rich. Not physically wealthy, but spiritually wealthy. Even though they are poor physically, but they are making people rich well in, this, in the spiritual. As having nothing and yet possessing all things. They are going about as if they don't have anything because they don't have a house or a building or so. So yet they possess all things. Because the Bible says, any that overcome shall inherit all things, which I inherit all things in the end. Verse 11. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our hearts enlarged. You are not treating us, but you are treating your own bowels. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Be ye not only calling you together with unbelievers. Now in verse 14, he is going to tell us some things that we have used these Bible verses to tell when people are trying to mix up with the unbelievers. That don't get yourself entangled with unbelievers, even in business. If you are trying to form a partnership in business, make sure you choose somebody that believes in the Lord. Because if, you, if something is going wrong, you want to pray. Suppose you have an unbeliever that don't believe in prayer. So you are already on equal you. So that's what he's talking about. The same way we use it when we are talking about marriage. You are not to marry an unbeliever. Whether you are male or female, listen to me, you are not to marry an unbeliever. Because in that marriage, will not last. It won't work. You want to trust God, the other party doesn't want to trust God. Doesn't believe there is a God. That's an unequal yoke. The physical meaning of unequal yoke means when people, when they are making, when they are plowing in the farm, where they are using the old, old style, they want to make a, 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 a two cows, two cows to plow, one big car and one small car can be yoked together to pull this thing. Otherwise, the small one will be pulling nothing. Only the big one will pull it because it's one just walking by. But you have to make two cows that are of the same height and of this strength to be yoked together. Then they share the load of pulling the plow. That's what it means by equally yoked together. So the same way, he's saying don't bring a believer or non-believer together in a in a in a contract or in a business or in a marriage life because one is trusting god the other one does not trust god so it won't work out the same way you don't bring two cows that are of different size together and still yoke them together one is the one pulling the other one is just walking around you have to bring them to have the same strength and they are now sharing the load so that's what the terminology means do not unequally yoke together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion has light with darkness? We are light. He said, just can say, we are the light of the world. She believers are the light of the world. So we don't have anything communion with the darkness. The unbelievers are darkness. Spirit in them is darkness. Verse 15. And what concord has Christ with Belial? Belial is representing devil, 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 and devilish people. What agreement does Christ have with them? What part has he that believes with an infidel? Infidel is anyone that doesn't believe. What is part that we have with them? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So, individual, one of us, we are the temple of God. The collective body of Christ is the temple of God. But individual, because the Holy Spirit is in us, individually, each individual is a temple of God. 
So that's what he said. We are the temple of God. So you do, and those who don't have God, you don't believe in God, they are temple for idols, spirits of divination, satanic spirits may be in them. So there could be what will the temple of God be doing with the temple of the devil? That's what he's saying. There. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. Now that is the instruction. Why he's saying this? We are to separate from the unbeliever. That's what he's saying. Separate yourself from the unbeliever. That's not mean you can't work in the same business. You can't get out of the world because they are unbelievers. Eh? But you don't participate in what they are participating in. That's how you separate yourself. You don't entertain yourself with the type of entertainment they enjoy because that's sinful entertainment. So it's a, come out from among them. Come out from among their misbehaviors. Come out from among their evil lifestyle. Come out from among their ungodly desires and ungodly practices. That's how you come among, come out of from among them. From among from among their ungodly practices, they love to take bribes to make them rich and say rich. But come out of that. Don't take bribes. Don't participate. You'll be surprised how God will accept you and you'll be getting miracles. So that's what he's saying. Come out from among them and be ye separate, say the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you. And we be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. So that is the exhortation for every believer. Come out from among the sinful world behaviors and be separate and be holy. And God said, We receive you and me, and you will be a father unto us and, and doing miracles for all working sons and mothers in our life that we don't find the unbeliever. But we have to be sanctified. That's what sanctification means. Separate yourself apart. Set apart for God to you. Set apart by separating from the ungodly worldly sin that they are doing all their ungodly entertainment, all their ungodly businesses. You separate yourself from those things. You are sanctifying yourself for God to use you and to be to make you and God will make you an example of righteousness by showing His glory through you when you separate yourself from the ungodly world. Now let's go to chapter 7. We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Our call is to be holy. We are to perfect holiness in the fear of God. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak not this to condemn you, for I have said before that ye are in our house, so die and live with you. Great is my boldness of speech toward you, great is my glory of you, I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. For when we were coming to Macedonia, our pastor is just going back to tell them some of the some of his experiences. When we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side without our fightings. Within were fears. Nevertheless, God had comforted those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Remember in another chapter, I said, if you didn't see Titus, he was troubled. Now, when Titus came, he was comforted. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. So, Titus actually went to the Corinthians to, to find out what's going on over there, too. So, that he said, when he came back, he was comf comforted by the fact that they were now standing from, so that gave them comfort. So that I rejoice the more, verse 8. 
For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle has made you sorry, though it were, but for a season. Now he was referring to the letter I sent to the Corinthians, the first Corinthians chapter that he wrote, I said, do this, take this uh, uh, fornicator from among your midst, and all this type of thing he was addressing that was going on in their midst. And then when Titus went to their midst and came back, he said he was coming that Titus reported that these people are still standing from the letter make them sad, make them sorrowful. And that's what he was referring to, the apostle was referring to that letter. Now I rejoice, not that you are made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow walketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world walketh death. For behold, this self-same thing, that you sorrowed after a godly thought, what carefulness it wrought in you, what cleaning of yourself, clearing of yourself, yeah, what indignation, yeah, what fear, yeah, what fame desire, yeah, what zeal, what revenge, in all things, you have approved yourself to be clear in this matter. That is, you are trying to, it was saying that you, when you heard back from them, that it was now clear that they didn't condone what was going on, they, they didn't take the right step down, they are taking the right step to correct it. So he said that made him angry, made, make a possible happy as twelve. Wherefore, though I wrote unto you, I did it not for his cause that had done the wrong, nor for his cause that suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. Now, the letter I wrote, it was not only about the one that was the polygator, I also addressed the fact that there were people defrauding one another in their midst, going to court of law, between one another, between two brethren, fighting it out in the court of law before the unbelievers that Apostle Paul addressed that also say, how come you are doing that when you should settle it in the midst of the believers? Somebody is defrauding the other. If one, if two people are fighting over something, one must be right and the other wrong. Let's say they are fighting over land. Somebody must be trying to defraud the other person. So that's why I say, who is, why, who, why is one defrauding the other? You both claim to be following Christ. When Christ said, like, why don't you suffer wrong? Christ said, if they slap you on one cheek, turn the other. If they are trying to sue you in the court, take your Quote, you will give them your cloak also. And yes, instead of doing that, they were fighting that in the court of law before unbelievers. That's what Apostle Paul was addressing. So he said that it made them sorrowful when they had all of those corrections. As, as they have missed the way, that's why it looked to them. They have not been following Christ the way he expected. So that's what they, why they are sorrowful. And Apostle Paul said, Now I'm glad that you gave us sorrowful, then you make you correct yourself. Verse 13 of first Corinthians, second Corinthians chapter 7. So that's what he meant when he said, I'm not writing because of the man that was defrauded or the called the book, the other one that defrauded the other person. But just so that you can see that we we our our your, our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. Therefore, we were comforted in your comfort ye, and exceedingly the more joyed we for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you. For if I have boasted anything to him of you, I am not ashamed, but as we make, as, as we speak all things to you in truth, even so our boasting which I made before Titus is found the truth. And his inward affection is more abundant towards you, while he, he remember the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. I rejoice therefore that I have confidence in you in all things. 
So more than anything that that uh, when Titus came among you and he saw your he saw that you guys are repentant and he was happy that you guys are still on the right path. We have not lost all the effort of winning you souls. So thank Jesus for you. So that's what you, let's go to chapter eight now. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, for point in chapter 8, going to begin to talk on something else. Most likely talking about donations that they were, you, they were doing to send to the believers in Jerusalem. He said he wanted to tell, tell, tell them what is done in Macedonia among the church in Macedonia so they can copy the same thing. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record. They are beyond their power. They were winning of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we will receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Now, this ministry to the saints, I explained in earlier chapter, where Apostle Paul, they were collecting the offering for the church in Jerusalem. Because all the time in the book of Acts of Apostles, there was a prophecy by Agabus that said there was coming a deer all over the world. And God said that deer took place in the days of Claudius Caesar. Now, when they had that prophecy in Antioch, the believers remembered the, the, the brethren in Jerusalem in the first beginning of the church. When Jesus started selling their properties and sold their land, sold their businesses, and distributed the money to everybody, like a community, something like a community. But we did it out of zeal for the Lord's coming. They think the Lord is coming soon and they did it out of zeal. And then after a while, after they have distributed the money, if they if, if the farming comes to the land, they, many people don't have any assets. They will be hit very hard by the farming. And let's go for a miracle. So the, the miracle that the people begin to do was to gather donations for the believers in Jerusalem so that they will have some backup support if that farming started. And that was being done in the churches of Gentiles. And that was what Apostle Paul referring to that ministering to the saints. It became the pattern where people are now contributing money for the churches because it started right there. And there was no record that they were formally contributing money for the church to give it to the evangelists or to apostle Paul or anybody until that came to be where they were all talking about the believers that have lost everything in Jerusalem either by persecution or they who sold everything waiting for the Lord's coming and they sold lands and those are assets that you can fall back to when things are hard but if you have nothing to say you are really going to be hit hard when something happens so that was really what was going on if they started gathering money for the to minister to the saints in Jerusalem. So he's not talking about that, that he's reminding them they are going to, they are also planning to do this and he's going to talk about it here. Verse 5. And he's saying in Macedonia, the people in the church in Macedonia have already begun to do this. So you Corinthians also try to do something like that. And say he was talking about this Macedonia that they were not whom as well they were poor, but they got something. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. In so much that we desire Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye are bound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, so, so see that ye are bound in this grace also. He's saying Titus is going to come to you so that you guys can 
gather something and be do like all this church in Macedonia did. So do like the church in Macedonia, they are also get something gathered so that I can send them to the saints in Jerusalem. As it's a, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice. So he said, Christ became poor so that we might be rich, so that we also should think of other people. That's what he's talking about. Think of the other people, the believers in Jesus, they are going to help. So we, our own abundance now is to help them that are in distress, in distress over there. I will still use that to send donations to help other people, other groups in other areas that might be suffering serious adversity. From the abundance you have here, if you send to the other people there that are in serious adversity, they will be praising God for you, for your faith in Christ. That's what he's talking about here. Verse 10, this is now, he's going to give his own suggestion how they should do it. And I'm going to continue this in the next broadcast because there's still some more to say in this chapter. It's God bless you. Praise the Lord. Well, we will continue this message in the next broadcast. The Bible said, Precept shall be upon precept, line upon line. A little there, a little there. And I pray that you will not miss the next broadcast so that you can build upon that which you have just learned today. The Bible said, Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In, in other words, we can say, Faith coming by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. It's not just a one-time shot. You must keep hearing the Word so that your faith can be built up. We shall continue this message in the next broadcast. Don't miss the next broadcast. God bless you.